What would life look like if our good intentions were inspired enough, empowered enough, and challenged enough so that all those dreams became real, tangible good in the world? On Practice Good Podcast, you will find authentic stories, challenging conversations, and real responses that will inspire, empower, and challenge your social impact journey. But this isn't all. Good business and good programs and good social enterprise are only as good as the health of their leader. And on this podcast, we will pay special attention, not only to the good that we give to the world, but to the good that we live within ourselves, our soul care. Welcome to Practice Good, a podcast for change makers. I'm your host, Shiloh Kashima, practitioner of good, pastor, and mom of two spicy Nigerian littles. Get ready as we turn your good intentions into positive change. Hey, 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 change leaders. We are back again for another episode on Practice Good, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys today about the book Fear Gone Wild by Kayla Steckline. Today is going to be what I call a response, and really the format is just where I take a book or a concept or a theory or a current event and really just respond to it and allow us as kind of an audience to think through maybe some challenging ideas in relation to that. And so today's book is um, very uh, close to home for me. It really touches my heart. Um, And if you haven't had a chance to read the story behind this, I would encourage you to um, look it up and kind of research Kayla Steckline's story. Um, You will be blown away. But let me go back a little bit and give you some backstory on how I was really introduced to this book before it was even written. So two years ago in August, I saw on the news that a young 29-year-old pastor of a mega church in California had ended his life in suicide. Uh, it really hit home for me. And its I don't know why suicide always kind of hits home. I remember growing up, a kid that I had met in elementary school, I later ran into working at a blockbuster movie, and we would say hi every now and then, and I saw in the newspaper that he had hung himself, and I didn't even really know him, but it took me like two weeks to really process through and grieve the loss of this guy that I'd just barely known. Um, Death by suicide is, you know, it is just a a hard thing to process as humans. And even if you're not close to someone often causes a lot of grief and confusion. And so when I read and watched on the news about this young pastor, the reason I thought that it hit home, which is very true, is just that I too am a young, somewhat young, (laughs) older than him, but somewhat young pastor who's been pastoring really since I was 16 years old and working in social impact and change leadership. And in that have really found the pressures of leadership to be something that I don't honestly believe humans were meant to carry. The level of perfectionism that our audiences want us to have, the level of, um, you know, lack of authenticity, really, that people expect from you, people either want you to be perfect or not leading at all, is really unreal. And I've watched leader after leader have um, 
really heartbreaking ends to their story because of this type of pressure. Granted, this pressure is not only put on leaders by the people who follow them and the world, but it's also themselves. Um, Leading can be something where we expect ourselves to not really have the ups and downs, but to only have the ups. And we're really setting ourselves up for failure. So this is actually a concept that I'm currently studying in my doctorate program, really trying to figure out how do we as leaders and advocates and change makers and pastors, how do we sustain ourselves in the long run? Because if we're building this um, social good and you know positive change in the world, and we're building this business or this nonprofit or this church, but we are not also uplifting, empowering, and taking care of the soul of the leader of that institution, we are essentially setting something up for failure. And so I believe that all, you know, change leaders and positive change leaders are really have a common thread that run through everything we do. And that is that we struggle to take care of ourselves. We are really good at taking care of other people. But when it comes to ourselves, we have a million reasons why we should be using that time to, you know, grow the project or impact more lives or touch others. And in essence, we are destroying the mission in which we started out to do. And so this book, Fear Gone Wild, has been something that has been on my list um, to read since before it was created. I started following Kayla Steckline on social media, and I just loved her authenticity. Kayla is the wife of Andrew Steckline, who um, passed away. And I really just wanted to hear more of the story. I was fascinated by how do leaders get to this place? How, what happens? Uh, what happens along the journey? Is it a one-time thing? Is it things that build? Is it the pressure over time? Is it a mental health issue from birth? Is it something that's kind of enculturated through our situation and our pressure? What is it? And how can we dissect this and really learn and grow and uh, really not put those same expectations on future leaders so that we can actually have leaders in the long run? And with today's culture and political situation in America, I really think it's more important than ever right now. I'm watching change leaders and advocates burn out right and left. And to be honest, there are days where I just feel like flying to an island somewhere and eating coconuts and mangoes the rest of my life and not giving a crap anymore because the the change seems so insurmountable and so big and so overwhelming that it is easy to just say, I'm not making a difference. And I feel like sometimes I'm beating my head against a brick wall, right? And so really the question here is, how do the hopeful and those who lead hope in the world, how do we remain hopeful for long, extended, marathon periods of time when the hope doesn't seem anywhere close, right? So this book is really... um, really good for that because Kayla does a really good job of just outlining not only their love story, but also the things that she believes as a person who is um, really supporting someone or or close to someone in a leadership position or someone with mental health issues. How can we respond? How can we support 
them. Uh, for me, I struggled with depression a lot growing up. I remember in high school, I used to think and the phrase, I just want to go home and be with Jesus. I just want to go home and be with Jesus. I just want to go home and be with Jesus ran through my mind at one point over 30 times a day in high school. And I had no idea that that was suicidal thoughts. All I thought was, I hate this life on this planet. And there's so much tragedy. And I just want to go home and be with Jesus. It wasn't until I was older that I realized this is one of the first steps of suicidal thoughts. Um, I then went on to college and worked through that, went through a lot of counseling and have since developed soul care habits that have helped with things like that. But there are definitely moments as a leader where you're like, the hill in front of me is insurmountable and I don't know if I can cross it. And that's really when relationships and our soul care and our relationship and intimacy with our creator comes in. Um, when I started doing more research on Kayla Steckline and Andrew Steckline's um, story, I, man, I was watching his sermons, even his sermon the, right before he um, had passed. And I was just trying to dissect everything to learn anything I could about my own story and about those around us. And in that, I found so many crazy like connections. Um, Andrew and I and Kayla and I, we all went to the same college, it's, um, a little college in Newport Beach, California called Vanguard University. Um, I actually don't know what his degree was, but my assumption it's probably the same as mine, which is pastoral leadership. It might not have been because I know he grew up as a pastor's kid and eventually ended up taking over his father's church when his father passed away from leukemia. And so he could have done business or something else. But in looking and watching his sermons, my guess is he was a pastoral leadership major, which is the same as mine. And in that case, we had Probably he was younger than me, definitely. Um, so we probably knew some of the same people. We probably had some of the same professors. We might even had some of the same mentors. Um, and so then it was even closer to home that he was prepared like me and trained like me and equipped like me. And he was young like me. And he had these insurmountable pressures. And it led to a situation that, you know, was beyond repair. And so let me tell you a little bit about what Kayla gives you in this book, which is beautiful. She gives you beautiful, beautiful stories. Kayla is a wonderful writer. Um, she paints pictures that make you feel like you're there. Um, she tells you these handpicked stories about her and Andrew's love story, how they met going through college, their first date, <laughs> their first anniversary, and just the struggles even right when she first started seeing signs of mental health issues and really had no idea how to support him other than what Christians predominantly tell you, which is like, pray and be a supportive wife and all this, which is great. But at the end of the day, like she wasn't, you know, as she self-proclaims, she wasn't equipped to handle this. She was frustrated. She was burnt out. She kept praying and praying and praying and nothing was changing. And she didn't know how to support him. And in fact, a long time, for a long time, she thought that he was being selfish, you know, that he was leaving her to do a majority of the work. They had three boys and, um, and she was tired. She was exhausted too. And my guess would be that she's probably starting to develop some depression herself in that kind of atmosphere. She kind of goes in and out of the story about how they took a break, um, really a sabbatical from their church. 
um, how they came into leadership at that church. And, um, and she tells you some different stories that will really help you understand his mental health journey. Um, and really, it's two things here. It's a mental health um, issue, but it's also the issue of the insurmountable pressures that we put on leaders. And I don't think anyone specifically is like, I'm going to put some more pressure on my leader. <laughs> I think it's just subconscious and it's things we do to ourselves. You know, here was Andrew and he took over his dad's mega church. And there's a lot to live up to. You've just lost your father from leukemia. You are now the man of not only your own family with three boys and a wife, but you're also the man of your entire family. And you, I'm guessing, might have some feelings of, you know, needing to lead everybody and be the answer for everybody and everything. And then you've got this multiple, you know, thousands of people church that you are now trying to lead, not only through multiple services every Sunday and every weekend, but also through leadership training, through programming, through events, through marketing, through budgeting, through vision casting. I mean, talk about a load. When I was 29, I don't know if I could have done that. I am going to be 38 next month. I still don't know if I could do that. I mean, my husband and I, we run a church that's about 200 people, and we love that size. I mean, it's just enough to where we get to know our people really well. We don't have multiple upon multiple services every Sunday. Like, I don't know how people could sustain that in the long run without very, very clear boundaries and soul care um, mechanisms for taking care of yourself. And what I love about this story is Kayla draws these very strong points about all of the quote unquote Christian things her husband did and that they did, all the right things, but it wasn't good enough. They prayed, they read the word, her husband loved Jesus like crazy, but mental health is not this like demon that's over you and you just can't get rid of. Mental health is a real legit issue that is in our psychology and our development that we need to address as humans. And oftentimes, and you know, some cultures and some people and some families choose to not address these things. And I love that they address them right away. They went and got him help. And even in the midst of all the help, it still ended in a moment that could never be changed, you know? So Kayla gives beautiful stories. She really gives you lots of great ideas on how you can support and you can walk alongside a friend, a leader, a pastor with mental illness and support them in a better way. She also gives you a handful of resources for those who struggle with anxiety and depression, what to do if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts. She is also extremely authentic and transparent, which I love about her. Um, in the same kind of few years, I mean, she so that was two, year, uh, two years ago, her husband passed another um, pastor who was a similar age in California who also led a mental health nonprofit or mental health awareness campaign, basically. I'm not sure if it was a fully nonprofit or not, also committed suicide. And then I, I don't even know if it was all the same year. I can't keep track of time anymore. But then there was a third pastor, and that was kind of a different situation, but in one of my friends' churches who also committed suicide. And I just began to be like, what are we doing wrong? right? You look in the Old Testament and the Bible says that the Israelites begged God for a king and God was like, no, 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 you don't need a king. And finally he looks at them and he goes, fine, have your way. 
Like that's what you want. And I wonder, are humans meant to create or to hold this kind of power, this level of authority, this level of influence at this big of a level? Or are we really created to be more relational on a one-on-one basis? And I'm not quite sure these answers. These are just challenges for us as thought leaders, as change makers to be thinking about. And finally, um, Kayla also gives you a lot of really great biblical backgrounds on you having purpose, having worth, um, being known by God and created for a purpose. And I love that. Um, I want to just talk for a minute about leaders, advocates, activists, um, and the pressure that we put on ourselves as well. Um, We have an opportunity to make a difference, but oftentimes we think of ourselves as the savior. If I don't show up, if I don't do this, if I don't come through, if I don't hold this next event, if I don't do this extra podcast, if I don't write this extra book, if I don't have this extra conversation, if I don't pick up this phone call at 12 p.m. at night, I am not like someone's not going to get touched. And that's literally a lie. God cares about the people we care about more than we care about them. He created them. And thank God we are just part of that process. But even if we choose not to do what we're called to do or not to step into certain situations or not even to, let's say like we're called to make change and or we're called to lead a nonprofit or and we choose to abandon that. We're like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to go, you know, make money and, you know, build me some mansions and build up my own wealth, <laughs> whatever you're going to do, right? Even if we were to totally abandon whatever that purpose is. And by the way, I am not a believer that God has this one size fits all like moving invisible target that you have to hit in your life for his will. I believe that God, God's will is like a pasture and it has fences and boundaries and it says basically, hey, as long as you're in relationship with me and you love me and you are desiring to be in relationship with me and you're pursuing that relationship with your creator as you are the image of God, a child of God, really how you reflect his love on the world is up to your own creativity. Um, It could be a mix of your skill set, your passion, your childhood wounds, your strengths, your personality. But all of those things could have been different. You could have been born somewhere else. You could have had uh, somebody could have put you into technology. And what would your life have been like then? You could have made one simple different choice and your whole life would be different. So I'm a firm believer that we don't necessarily have one specific call. But I do believe that things within us that we love and we're passionate about and as psychology calls flow, where we do for five minutes or five hours and it feels like five minutes, there are things within us that call out to us to do them and we're not satisfied until we do. But I believe that even if you were to walk away from that, even if you were to abandon that call and be like, I'm going to live for me and me only and not care about anybody else. The Bible says the rocks will cry out. You know, like, let's not think any of us has more power than we do. Like, God is going to get his will done regardless of whether we choose to abandon posts or not. He is, the Bible says that he, God, the king's heart is like a river in the hands of God, right? God is the owner of all wealth and resources, and he will make happen what he wants to happen, whether you step into your call or not. Now, 
Do you want to let go of that? I mean, there is full fulfillment and joy in being in your mission, your purpose in life, right? And so I want to encourage you that you're going to step into those things, but you also have to step out. There's a really good book. I think it's by A.W. Tozer, and I'm going to really regret mentioning this without remembering the name. It's about our presence and our absence, and it's about the sacredness of both. And it's really written towards pastors, but really it's for anyone, any positive change leader, anyone who's wanting the future to be different than the past. There is sacredness in your absence just as much as your presence. Let me repeat that. There is sacredness in your absence just as much as in your presence. So you not being available all the time is healthy and good for not only you and your family, but every other person involved with that. I always talk to my husband about this and we kind of laugh and we we tell this to our staff and everything too. Um, if you as a pastor are picking up the phone at all hours of the night, all the time, you are training people that you're available those times and also that your soul care, your rest and your family are not as important as whatever the emergency is in the moment. And what does that do when they begin to step into their call? They start to put their family, their soul care and their rest on the back burner as well. And what are we teaching and breeding in our culture and our churches when we choose to teach people how to follow their call without their own health and vitality in mind? So you can build an empire, which that's kind of like the... (laughs) That's kind of like the big term these days, right? Like build your empire. I'm the queen of my own empire, right? You could build your empire, right? You could build your nonprofit. You could build your church and you could do all these things. But at the end of the day, if you're building something that has all these wonderful, powerful changes in the world, but you are building it with a leader that is unsustainable in the long run, you are building something that will die and the end will not be pretty. You absolutely have to take care of yourself. It is not selfish. It is resourceful. It is responsible. And it is your moral obligation to take care of the leader of the organization and the good and the purpose that you are called to bring into this world. Okay? Does that make sense? We need to sustain ourselves in the long run. How is this vision going to sustain itself in the marathon? If we do not take care of ourselves, soul care is not what we do to ourselves. We don't have a soul that we take care of. We are a soul, mind, body, spirit, all of us. We're taking care of our body, our mind, and our spirit. We have to take our idealism into the next generation. And the only way we can do that is by taking ourselves and taking care of ourselves into that next phase too. Does that make sense? I'm going to leave you with three things that I really pulled out of Kayla's book, and they are number one, rest. She talks about how their counselor gave them this story about what I believe, and I'm totally butchering this, but they're called grayback monkeys. I guess you'll have to read the book to get more of it, but it's basically the grayback monkeys work. They're like alpha males or alpha personalities, type A, and they work, work, work for their family. They over, you know, do it. And then they go back into a cave without telling anyone and they rest, like hibernate for long periods of time. And nobody knows where they are and nobody knows where to find them. But this is how they cycle in and out of seasons of of rest 
and work. And so that for her was like, oh, we need to go into a season of rest. Now, one of the things she brought out of that was this difference between isolation and solitude. They went into this place of isolation, which she felt was really unhealthy. And I agree with that. Isolating is different than solitude. If you're not sure the difference, we can go into that another podcast. I would encourage you to look up the word solitude and spiritual disciplines and really begin to practice even five minutes a day and then maybe an hour a week. It is so refreshing to do solitude. Isolation is different. And with this whole COVID and social isolation right now, you are probably and might be feeling some of that. That's not always healthy. We need community, but solitude is good for refreshment and connection with our creator. Number two, she talks about community, and that is essentially kind of what I've just been talking about, making sure that we are connected to people that care and love us, that we are authentic and real. She said, even in the midst of their isolation, which should have been solitude, there she was afraid to reach out to people. She was afraid to be fully transparent and tell certain people what was really happening. And my husband and I at our church, and it, as a nonprofit leader as well, I try to do this with my staff on both levels, that we are called to transparency and authenticity. And the level of transparency doesn't mean we have to just tell everybody all our business, right? It's not like I go and be like, oh, guess what? Me and William got in this argument last night and he put his cell phone where I told him. I mean, like, it's not like that. I mean, but I I could if I wanted. But there is an understanding that there are your safe people And those safe people should have full authenticity, should have full transparency. There are levels of transparency and leadership, and we can talk about that another day as well. But third thing that I would that I would pull out of this book is her continual encouragement to educate yourself. You don't know what you don't know. What does healthy look like? What does it not look like? So often people have no idea what healthy even looks like. I have friends or people that come to me that share things and I go, you know what? I can help you with this. But to be honest, I would encourage you to go to a counselor. Like it is so good to have a licensed, trained mental health therapist right there at your disposable, uh, disposable <laughs> in your, in your, in your sink, in your disposable sink in, at your disposal, sharing with you their wisdom, decades of insight they've received from their education and expertise, all pouring into you right there. Who wouldn't want that? Why are we so afraid of this idea of counseling? Like educate ourselves. What you don't know is unhealthy. You will continue to repeat it and either pass it on to generations or you'll live in that unhealth and not know why you're having certain feelings or where they come from. Educate yourself. So number one, rest. Number two, lead with community. Solitude, not isolation. And number three, educate yourself. I want to leave you with this. Read the book. Go to Audible. Um, get it from Audible, buy the book, give a review to Kayla Steckline. She's so awesome. And I cannot wait to continue to see what she puts out there into the world. She is an awesome writer and has an incredible call and has used this really rough situation to bring 
about change in the world. And man, I would love to have her on the podcast. So if she listens, encourage her to, <laughs> encourage her to come on my podcast. But I want to encourage you with another resource because as you guys know, I want to just chalk this podcast full of resources for you and value and content. Um, there is a book, one book that I did find, and I'm going to continue my research, but a book called Changing the World Without Losing Your Mind. It's by an author called, his name is Alex Counts, and he was one of the founders of the Grameen Foundation. The Grameen Foundation is uh, a partner with the Grameen Bank, which was run and owned by um, and led by Mohammed Yunus. And Mohammed Yunus was a Nobel Peace Prize winner for the concept of microfinance in Bangladesh. Now, if you have not read about him, you better get yourself on the internet <laughs> and start reading because I am telling you the work that they're doing is amazing. And Alex Counts has done amazing work. He's also a public policy professor and really he takes this book I just bought it for my staff and myself. It's on the way. And it is all about his own personal journey as um, a social change leader and how we all have this Achilles heel. We don't take care of ourselves. And how are we going to sustain ourselves in the long run? So pick up that book. Give him a review. He's a self-published author, so you know he's got to get his reviews. Give him a review. Let him know what you think and um, and make sure to implement some of those changes in your life. If you have any thoughts on this, if you are a change leader or someone that is struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, um, pick up that book. Uh, if you know someone that is struggling with those things, pick up that book. Use it as a resource. Start following Kayla right away and make sure you take care of yourself. We're going to continue to have conversations like this on this podcast and I cannot wait for you to get more equipped, more empowered, and more inspired to live out your good intentions in the world. Thanks for joining us today, guys. I cannot wait to see you again. Make sure to head over to iTunes and give us a review. Hit subscribe, okay? Hit subscribe, hit subscribe so you get notified when these podcasts come out. Don't forget to share it on your social media channel. I would super appreciate it. Again, we're just getting the word out there. You know, you know, one or two people, maybe three that are dreamers, that want social change, that really would love this content. Send it to them. Tell them that they would love it. Let them know to follow and subscribe. And finally, my email address is shilohkashima at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts about this topic, if you would, if you're interested in being on this podcast, if you're a change maker, um, or if you have some questions or topics that you'd really like me to cover, head to that email address and let me know. I would love, love, love to hear from you. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us today.